901 Shelby Drive, look alive, look alive. There is good and bad in everyone. When we learn to live, we learn to give each other what we need to survive. I just want to talk to you guys really quickly about a, uh, a little announcement or uh, something, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm looking for someone to collaborate with. And welcome to Earbuds and Air Arms. I'm Amy, and you are... Mitchell Manley, and we're working in collaboration <laughs> yes, for this episode. Yes, we are. It's like we're working together. All together. Sorry. That's the theme, isn't it? It is. Collaborations. Yes. I'm kind of spazzed out today. I drank like a whole pot of coffee. Oh, snap. Yeah. And then you walked in and I'm drinking beer because I'm a classy lady. You are indeed. Yes. Uh, the theme is collaborations. Mm-hmm. I, there was... We had like a little like chit chat with Craig going. Right. Yeah. He gave us some ideas and tons of really good ideas. You'll definitely see a few more of those pop up. Yeah. So he gets like all the credit for this idea because I can't remember what mine was. My concept. I think it was one of Craig's, but I can't remember what yeah, it was. Because okay. <laughs> I like started trying to find collaborations. Um, there are. How would you define a collaboration? Okay. So there's some songs that got submitted and there's songs out there that are like so-and-so featuring this other person. I think I did that. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that a feature counts as a collaboration. Um, Although depending on how much and, and you know, who the feature is, but like for instance, I think the one you brought, which we'll get to, Mm -hmm. I think will count as a collaboration. We can talk about why, but like Craig submitted Deftones featuring Maynard from Tool, a song called Passenger. And while it's one of my favorite songs, it's a fantastic song. I don't necessarily think of it as a collaboration and I'm not sure. Is that because it's not Tool working with right. another band? And, you know, if, if Maynard himself, like, was playing keys on the song and, like, helped actually write uh, some of the way that the music goes, I might consider it a collaboration. But, you know, if he if he wrote the lyrics to, okay. to his parts, maybe that should qualify as a collaboration. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a, a pretty interesting philosophical division there. I'm not sure where where it lies, but I don't think a feature necessarily counts. But whenever you have full bands or artists going as a uh, a pseudonym, okay. I think those count as collaborations. Cuz people who put out struggling. solo albums, you know, by themselves and then come together to create something together as a whole. Like the like supergroups. Are those right. collaborations? I would say supergroups also don't necessarily count as collaborations, even though they're collaborations in that different musicians are coming together for a band. But I think whenever you give it a singular name, but I don't know, like we, there's a few that are like full bands coming together that give themselves a, a singular name and those count as collaborations. Is Velvet Revolver a bunch of solo artists coming together or is it a bunch of like, see, I see, I see you. A band coming together with a singer from a different band. So you have a full, complete musical group behind Scott Weiland, and then Scott Weiland by himself comes in. But so that's a super group, not a collaboration, in my okay. opinion. Okay, <laughs> this, yeah. this got complicated because I was. I struggling. love it. I'm, I'm totally into <laughs> to breaking stuff down like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Send in send in your feedback if you want to define what actually makes for a collaboration. Yeah, because I struggled a ton with it. 
Now, of course, you have your version of what collaboration mm-hmm. is. What did you bring? So I brought Yoni and Getty. What's up? Uh huh. So yeah, this comes off the album Testarossa from the rapper Serengeti and an artist also known. Uh, Serengeti. Yeah, and an artist who goes by Y, like W H Y question mark Y. <laughs> so yeah, Serengeti and Y. And uh, I know that one of the very first things I brought to the podcast was a Y remix of a Serengeti song. Uh, so that this has come up distantly in the past before, and I know that we've talked about Serengeti a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, this album was like a concept album, and they were telling a story that the two of them had written when they were on tour together. Like, they actually scripted out the story, and uh, they decided to make a concept album about it. And a lot of it's kind of impenetrable to me, especially the lyrics in this song. Or, make, yeah. Or, yeah, they don't really don't make a whole lot of sense, but, like, the attitude that they're singing it with, you totally get, like, that sort of vibe, um, you know... They, they both definitely have a really unique vocal style, and Y is really, really great at like catchy, earwormy melodies and harmonies. And uh, you got a lot of the interplay between the left and right speaker. It kind of makes it conversational sounding, and uh, like, like it's kind of going back and forth between the narrator and him trying to chat up some girl. <laughs> and then the chorus is like really super simplistic and has these sunshiny harmonies. Well, I think the... Whenever I'm preparing for the show, I generally, like, start with the ear buddies, and then I'll go and listen to your song. And this one was, like, I got chills listening to this. I had no idea it was Serengeti. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it really does, like, take advantage of, like, uh, the, you know, stereo quality that you can have, even out of crappy earbuds. Right. It really is, like, it's got this lovely, like, rise, like, this very rhythmic rise into... Uh, into I don't know like I can't describe how good this song made me feel it's like it's just really really good they did so much with like not getting all junky and cluttery yeah and it's it's a lot of clarity in it yeah a lot of clarity and layers but like not too junky and they really were able to engage me in like the song like I was super able to zoom in and it's so much with so little and such a short song. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a short song, and so they're in and out, they get their point across, and they just leave you wanting to hear that chorus like three more times. Yeah, I, I, I replayed it quite a I few times. I love it, yeah. It's so good and so engaging, so that <laughs> no pressure on me, right? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, that is one of the most enthralling songs I've heard in a I'm long time. I'm glad you like it. Like, it engaged me like The Fountain does. <laughs> wow. So I I love it. No, 
I stumbled upon this and I brought Christine and the Machines featuring Damn Funk, Girlfriend. Don't feel like a Christine and the Machines normally sound like. I think Dim Funk is the synthy kind of con- contribution to this. It's super funky. It's super synthy. It's super weird. It's nostalgic and it's sexy. Like yeah. this needs to be on a sexy playlist. Yeah. And I'm just like, hmm, I could get into this. Like this goes on sexy time playlist, but you won't laugh whenever it comes on. Like it's not so on the nose as right, like yeah. Isaac Hayes track. Yeah, or like a Barry White. Right. So I was like, mm, sexy, but not like too sexy. Like they're like the, what was it? Fuck is you, fuck is me. Yeah, I, I couldn't even follow a lot of the lyrics, although it, it goes into French there toward the end, oh, which yeah. is pretty great. Uh, this one definitely, I, I think it will appeal to a lot of our ear buddies. It's got the super chill, like synth pop vibes, but it's peppered with like the super funky aesthetic. Uh, damn, damn funk, I think is the, like you said, the one who brings like the really synthy stuff and the weird funky guitar parts. So see this I think this does count as a collaboration because Damn Funk contributes to the actual music of the song in yeah. a in an interesting way so uh I feel like Christine and the Machines would probably be a little bit different sounding than this particular song. I looked and it wasn't on a particular album. This was just a single that they put out. So yeah. it's not like it's a feature on a song on the album. Um, yeah, it has a super catchy hook that I'm sure I'll be singing in my head later on. And then it goes into the French toward the end, which gives it a little bit of extra quirk and spin. Um, and also like, I think with a good remix, this could very easily become like a vaporwave song or like oh, a, yeah. a future funk kind of synthy song. Yeah. And I believe somebody like pointed out some vaporwave like, uh, stuff on the ear buddies page this week. I think it was David. Oh yeah. I can't remember what he submitted, but, uh, yeah, a lot of that, like, 80s sounding this definitely has that 80s vibe happening yeah and now speaking of i think like collaborations is kind of hard to define and i think it really comes together in our ear buddies which there's different interpretations and Mm -hmm. sometimes i think that we get some of like the best submissions when there's different interpretations of something so this selection super super varied and the ear buddies brought so many cool songs plus there's multiple more like there's a huge array of songs in this like thread uh our first ear buddy is charlie and he brings low and dirty three down by the river
Now, this is a nine-minute song, mm-hmm. and I typically do not like nine-minute songs. I'm more like that three-minute song person, but this one almost gives you the sense that it has to be nine minutes long because it feels like you're like eavesdropping in a warehouse. Yeah. It starts out so slow, and you're like, is this like band practice warm-up? And like, it's not even just like chaos. It's kind of like there's some sort of order, but you can't. Your brain's not putting it together. It's a real experience. It's like a world building. Like if it's yeah, music. definitely so. So you you can almost feel out the size of the room and what people are doing. And I'm not good at counting. I don't know how these people are <laughs> counting out the song. <laughs> and uh, the lyrics actually like hit in about like six minutes. And it's like, hey, come with me, follow me down through this. And I was like, oh, that's really really cool. It's just such a slowly built song that doesn't feel like it's noodles and garbage like thrown in together and shaken it feels very purposeful right so um i'll ask you this is actually a neil young song that they're covering really i did not know that and so far if our ear buddies didn't catch that uh down by the river is actually a really really great neil young song and low also put out another version of this on one of their like b-side compilations that's a little bit faster than this but still super spacey and incredible uh charlie kind of swept this out from under me these uh, in the fish tank eps <laughs> but i'm definitely glad that they made it uh my original post was going to be the song lordy off of the same ep with low and dirty three okay now do, do they have like seven volumes or? so there's 15 of these in the in the fish tank eps and uh, it's got all kinds of artists from across the spectrum collaborating. You got like Sonic oh. Youth and Tortoise and Blackheart Procession, Karate, tons of like obscure indie bands <laughs> that like a lot of our ear buddies are probably going to know though. Um, so yeah, there's like 15 of them. So if you've never heard of those EPs, definitely go check them out. Another really good one is Isis and Aerogram. That always makes me feel a little anxious. I know that Isis is a god from the Egyptians, right. but like you say Isis, I get a little scared. Right. Yeah. You think that someone's going to come? Yeah. And, yeah. Let's, so yeah, Low, <laughs> Low is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, and this EP was actually my introduction to the Dirty Three, who I also kind of fell in love with after this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Low is, Low is still around today. Uh, they first came around to like the mid mid nineties or so, and like the punk thing to do then was just be be louder and play faster than everyone else. But Low opted to go the opposite way, and like their first several albums are just deathly slow and somber, but still demand attention because they have like incredible vocal harmonies, some of the best I've ever heard in any band. And their guitar playing is like simultaneously sparse and spacey, but also very intricate and intentional. It's like so purposeful. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, their guitar player, Alan Sparhawk, is an incredible guitar player. Um, so yeah, definitely go listen to every ro- uh, every low record that you can. <laughs> uh, you can start with The Great Destroyer. That's probably one of my favorites. Our next ear buddy is Mike, who decides to bring... <laughs> well, he says it's Mary J. Blige uh, featuring Irish Rubbish. Yes. But it's a U2 featuring Mary J. Blige 1. Have you come here for forgiveness? Have you come to raise the day? Have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your head?
he says that it's it becomes a Mary J. Blige song at 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, if this is one of the ones where she is featured, and oh, yeah. it's very obvious like she was featured because Mary J. Blige songs do not sound like rock songs, mm-hmm. and I think many people have complicated feelings about you too. I have complicated feelings about you too, and I As don't. Do I. I, other than the whole iPhone download thing, I. I know that Bono is probably a really nice person, but he just rubs me the wrong I way. I agree, and like he's helped a lot of a lot of like third world countries and charities and stuff like that. But it's just something, man, he's kind of a douche. Yeah, and I think his voice is very clear, and you know, towards the end it gets a little shouty as he typically does. Mary J. Blige owns the lyrics, and she does a beautiful job of trying to bring Mary J. Blige to this song. It still is like very rock. Like, I guess, you know, the YouTube version of rock. Mm -hmm. And I think without her in this song, it would be a throwaway song. Yeah, I would agree with that, certainly. Yeah. It's it's just like, yeah, I think they've really perfected what they make, Mm -hmm. but so much so that the cracks don't show through and make something unique. Right. Yeah, YouTube is obviously a super... YouTube is... Did I say YouTube? (laughs) Yeah. YouTube is a very important website (laughs) on which we saw a YouTube video... With Mary J. Blige in it. Uh, U2 is obviously a very important band. I definitely think they'd be way better sans Bono. Um, <laughs> musically, early U2 is some of the like most brilliant and diverse music around at that time. The Edge's guitar tones and effects and he, and the super solid rhythm section that's drawn from like rock music, but also a lot of other like traditional music as well. Uh, it made a really unique s- sound in contrast to a lot of their peers. Uh, this is definitely not one of my favorite U2 songs at all. Uh, they do have a few songs that I like. This is not one of them, but I do happen to think this is an incredible Mary J. Blige song. She makes it her own in a way that a lot of these like genre crossovers never pan out. And this one she nails, and I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely glad to hear this one. Yeah. I had not heard it before. And without hearing her on the record, the song wouldn't be as remarkable. Right, I agree. I, I agree that the Edge does have like a lot of talent, but I think that she really makes the song shine. Yeah, they definitely change it up a little bit to give it a a, a Mary J. Blige feel, and she she takes it from there mm-hmm. and uh, takes it upward. Our next ear buddy is Brandon, who brings the Halo Benders, the Virginia Reel Around the Fountain. <laughs> The Halo Benders is a collaboration of Beat Happenings, Calvin Harris, and Built to Spill's Doug March. So I think this counts. I think this does count. This Indeed. is your definition of a collaboration, right? Yeah, like uh, it, in this case, it's not two full bands collaborating, but it's one guy from one band and another guy from another band, and they came together and made a full record. Yeah, it's really cool. The layering 
is amazing. There's, I, I think that it's intentional that you're not really supposed to listen to one or the other, uh, like set of lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like there's one that's been, I think digitally manipulated or somebody has gone like all, what's that thing where you go, ah, vocal fry. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's just doing vocal fry or if it's digitally manipulated. It's, there's some parts of the musicality, like instrumentals that reminds me of the Pixies so much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm listening to this. I was like, what is this reminding me of? And I started singing like the, and I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. This is a little bit like, where's my mind. And I, I think that because of the layering and you can, you cannot mentally take in more than one set of lyrics at a time. Anyway, right. I think it's very purposeful that there are two, things going that may or may not be the same lyrics but i don't think they are i don't think they are either yeah, it's like a cool way of doing a round but not really a round right and it also sort of acts as another instrument underneath the main vocals you especially know. the uh yeah <laughs> the layering is definitely what makes this song rule so hard uh it's it's not only the cool vocal layering but also the way that like the spacey guitars layer over the rhythm rhythm section it's like really chill and consistent and then the drums kind of burst every once in a while um kind of puts you back on your toes uh, I've never listened to a lot of Beat Happening, although I've definitely heard their name. But Built to Spill is, is definitely a, a hallmark indie band. Uh, I first got into them uh, shortly after I discovered Modest Mouse. And they kind of have a similar sound in the vocals just a little bit. And they came out pretty much the exact same time. I think it was like 94, 96. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, whenever I was like getting into Modest Mouse, I kind of brushed off Built to Spill for a while. And then I kind of rediscovered them later on. And uh, I'm definitely glad I did because they're definitely they do have their own sort of unique sound separate from Modest Mouse. But I don't know. I just at the time, the, the, the vocals just sounded really similar. And so I was like, OK, I can skip over this. I know all of the cool kids love Built to Spill. Yeah, they're probably way more consistent than Modest Mouse, to be honest. But I don't know. Modest Mouse was just the band. Like, I hated them for a long time. <laughs> and then somebody played me the right couple songs off of uh, Lonesome Crowded West and mm-hmm. Moon in Antarctica. And I was like, oh, this band kind of rules, actually. Yeah. But enough to warrant a billboard over Zinnies. Yeah, I, I know that there's a Built to Spill CD underneath the Lady Gaga CD on top of our DVD player right now. I really need to listen to it. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Uh, our next ear buddy is Jeremiah, who brings waves <laughs> and cloud nothings, <laughs> doing nothing hurts. Uh, he says, 
This one is super short, but I really like it. One of my favorite bands, Cloud Nothings, did a collaborative album with another band, Waves, and this was the closer for that record. It's really <laughs> short and sweet, but I think it encapsulates a lot of complicated feelings about loss and missing people. Heart, and then like the little sideways heart. <laughs> um, this is kind of like a fresh breath of like bubbliness. It's kind of punky in this almost like very effervescent weird way mm-hmm. and but it's got this like grime to it like that really makes it feel real and tangible and i think that it also keeps it from just being mush in the middle and it's just so purposeful and it's short which means that they probably spent a lot of time trying to like perfectly make this sound yeah absolutely that's uh one of the best things about this one is knowing uh, when to stop right exactly it kind of goes back to that that why and serengeti song from earlier like if you write something that's just so powerful and so catchy and and just like so earwormy that you can make it happen in a minute and 30 seconds or a minute and 50 seconds yeah you know that that says a lot about your your creativity and about your songwriting um i've only recently heard cloud nothings but waves is uh, wave of us is a uh, <laughs> waves has several super solid indie rock records. Uh, they kind of range from sullen and introspective to like beachy party vibes, and some of their songs are like kind of like punky and like heavier sounding. Um, this is definitely like a great distillation of waves, more introspective and thoughtful stuff. It's like noisy and hazy sounding, and it has the sort of punchy electric sounding bass line that kind of fades in and out to give it some umph whenever it needs that little bit of pickup. <laughs> and then, yeah, the vocal layering in this thing just gives me goosebumps. It's really amazing. Yeah, it's like, it's so cool. Like, I love these like short little songs where they're perfectly distilled things. Yeah, I mean, any musician will tell you you want to leave your audience wanting more. And definitely songs like this that just make you want to hit hit back and play it again four <laughs> yep. times in a row. So good. Ah, Jeremiah's good at that. Um, Frank brings the uncluded delicate cycle. My dad worked at the laundromat, which was really cool to me. I'd get to open up the washing machines and clean them out and collect the money and I'd open the soap dispenser and put new little boxes of soap inside. I knew how it worked and I was good at it and helping out filled me with a sense of pride. I would meet all kinds of people there and I would look them in the eye and I'd say, hi, Hi. excuse me, but do you mind if I shine the glass while your clothes dry? Yeah, my whole whole life life is a delicate cycle, delicate cycle, delicate cycle. In like New York after 10 One day I woke up out of order Nothing more to extend Delicate cycle in the alpha of its orbiting zen When it's a This is another actual collaboration mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the story of it I'm pretty sure that this is the girl who sings on Juno's soundtrack it definitely is <laughs> Okay Kimya Dawson is her name I couldn't remember And I didn't want to be like Um, do I need to Google this? My Google's already so terrible now mm-hmm. Um I don't know who the other collaborators are, but I really appreciate the fact that you go with her kind of like childlike, um, I don't know, it's childlike, but very purposeful voice and the spoken word. And it's just, it really brings a smile to my face and they're likening the phases of our life with 
you know, the way we do laundry. Right. And it's true. Like, she talks about her parent, her dad doing the laundromat, and then she has a house where she has, you know, a washer and dryer inside the house, but then everything is terrible. So mm-hmm. obviously the washer and dryer inside the house isn't necessarily the best thing because you're not literally airing your dirty laundry in public. Right. I don't know. I thought that was really an interesting way to do this as a very good, like, hook, I guess is what you call it, right? Yeah. And I just, I really enjoyed this song, and it made me want to listen to whatever the included is. <laughs> yeah, it's, this whole record is really, really good. It, I had actually forgotten what this was even called, uh, and so whenever Frank posted this, I was like, the uncluded, what is that? And then I looked it up. It's a it's a collaboration between Aesop Rock, who's like a really artsy, hey, hip-hop dude. I almost brought a song of theirs. Yeah, Aesop <laughs> Rock is a... Well, I think you're thinking of... A different, you're thinking of like ASAP Rock. Who, oh, ASAP Rock is a different guy. Yeah, okay. ASAP Rock. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's ASAP Rock and Kimya Dawson, who was in a band called The Moldy Peaches, and also has a bunch of solo records. Uh, yeah, a bunch of Moldy Peaches and Kimya Dawson stuff was on the Juno <laughs> soundtrack, just like you said. Uh, I have no idea how they hooked up to collaborate, and like knowing their individual output. It probably is hard for a lot of people to imagine like what they would even sound like when they came together. But I knew as soon as I read about this, I was like, if anybody can bridge the gap, it's going to be these two. They're both brilliant writers. Uh, Aesop Rock, his his songs always have like the coolest beats and uh, like the production and the lyrics are a lot of time like the production rules and the lyrics are always kind of impenetrable, like surrealistic word soup. That has like a lot of meaning, and then whenever you unpack it, it's just like this brilliant, huge landscape of meaning that he he's woven into this otherwise surrealistic sounding. So he trimmed the landscape down to a bush. Yeah, and I mean it's just amazing. Like if you're just listening to his his lyrics offhand, you're like, what the fuck is this guy even saying? <laughs> but if you like kind of really dig in and get exegetical about it, like there's a lot to unpack there. How, um, what does the genius lyrics page look like on there? Oh, for any of Aesop Rock stuff, every <laughs> single line is annotated okay. to like what he's referencing, just weird, obscure cultural references and references to old hip hop records and old hip hop uh, lyrics. And it's just in- insane. I think at one point he was awarded by some publication online to have the biggest vocabulary in hip hop. Oh. So he's definitely earned that. Uh, Kimya Dawson is always marched to her own drummer. A lot of her lyrics are like really honest and introspective and like kind of on the nose. And she does have like a very cutesy sort of yeah. uh, childlike voice. And but all her lyrics are like very straightforward. And a lot of a lot of them will just like break your heart. Like mm-hmm. she's a brilliant lyricist. And so that in contrast to to what Aesop Rock does is definitely really amazing. Um, you know, a, lo- <laughs> a lot of the, like the moldy peaches stuff is like really introspective and really sarcastic in a lot of it, but it also has a lot of like self ex- self acceptance and self empowerment and all that kind of stuff. Um, but her solo stuff, Kimmy Dawson's solo stuff, she has a record called "Remember That I Love You." Aww. I think you especially, Amy, would love that record. Because <laughs> you know I'm like squishy in the center. No, it's it's amazing. I think you'd like it a lot. <laughs> oh, I I really need to get that album because I know that I would love 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 it. Uh, Brian Vales is our final ear buddy to round out this whole like collaboration thing. He brings Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse, Jacob. Jacob, you work until the day is done, and then you go to bed. And then- 
this is like psychedelic, I think. Definitely psychedelic. Um, it's like modern Pink Floydy, but <laughs> without like that that feeling of. Sometimes a Pink Floyd song like shows its age just by audio quality. Mm-hmm. It's got this jangly bit that's going on, and there's some sort of warbly thing. I love that. I'm so technical. There's a warbly thing that the is... jangles bu- and the warbles. Yeah, it's behind it, and it really is delightful. It's kind of like the Velvet Underground has that one tone, but they decided to just make this like warbly sound underneath it. Um, if Daniel Johnston had all the abil- like all of the equipment and stuff, he would probably make this kind of song. Yeah, definitely so. And this is the first time I've listened to Danger Mouse. I think we've had... Um, on our mashups episode, I think we had a Danger Mouse mashup. Did I say that was the first time I listened to Danger you Mouse? You didn't. <laughs> so I think we, I think you have heard some Danger Mouse before, whether you knew it, it or not. It just has snuck in. Yeah, he uh, he's known for doing the Gray album, which was oh, a mashup yeah. of Jay Z okay. and, uh, and the Beatles. It. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This song's definitely incredible. the The album has tons of other guests too, and it was released with. A book of photographs by David Lynch as well, which is totally rad. I think that's the warbly thing underneath it. It's just David Lynch. His existence <laughs> yes. is just warbly. Um, yeah, Danger Mouse is known for collaborations and mashups of other people's work, and his work always seems to kind of stand out in a really unique way. Uh, Sparkle Horse, <laughs> Sparkle Horse is much much harder to describe. His output his output kind of ranges from like lo-fi indie rock and like really upbeat snarky alt country sound and stuff and then he has some stuff that's just like weird spacey noises and warbly warbly chimey noises uh that guy was definitely on a lot of drugs <laughs> he's um, a sparkle horse but indeed. not a unicorn i can't he ended up committing suicide he was Aww. a very troubled man Aww, uh, i think sad. after the recording of his first album or during the recording of his first album he was on some crazy cocktail of like valium and cocaine and tons of other stuff Sounds like too much for a system he passed out with his legs tucked underneath him like he was like uh, laid out backwards compartment syndrome and yeah and like some crazy buildup of potassium that almost made him like lose his legs and it's because the cells die whenever you cut off blood circulation And when the cells die, they release all the potassium in your body is inside your cells generally. Mm-hmm. So then you have a crazy release of it, which causes heart arrhythmias. Look, yeah, the nursing yeah. degree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew that you would find that particular tidbit Sorry. pretty interesting. I'm sad that she that he died though. Yeah, it's it definitely sad. He was a very troubled man, but he put out several like really crazy diverse records. Um, so if you're looking for something just different than anything you've ever heard, throw on pretty much any. Any Sparkle Horse record. Uh, I've never heard this collaboration until today, but it's definitely much bigger than the sum of its parts. I can't wait to go and listen to the rest of it. Yeah, I wish that uh, he was still producing music because he, he was very talented in what he was doing. Uh, Sparkle Horse also had an In the Fish Tank, like we were talking about oh, those really? EPs, uh, with another electronic artist named Finesse. So look up Sparkle Horse and Finesse in the, in the Fish Tank. There's like a large... Like a large selection of things I need to check out from Sparkle Horse. Um, I can't recall any specific feedback except that, like, thanks for everyone who voted for us for Best of Memphis. We yes, won't know until, like, September something. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, I don't know. It was such a, seemed like such a whirlwind week with all, the, like, the selections and stuff. There's so many good things out there. Um, we didn't get any specific feedback. Uh, if you do want to tweet at us, that's at E-N-D Pod and I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite. Um, the community over on the Facebook group, Earbuds and Earworms Podcast group, is amazing. There's Keeps growing. It's it, fantastic. And there's so much music to explore and like 
it's just it brings joy to my heart it does um the voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837 you can always email the show at endpod at gmail.com and the show can be found on endpod.com, part of the 10710 Network. And I said it right this time. You done good. Yay! <laughs> what is our final song selection this week? All right, so since uh, since Craig gave us this, uh, mm-hmm. this theme, I figured we'd give him the last song. Uh, this one is going to be Manchester Orchestra and Group Love. It's a song called Make It To Me. Are you familiar with either of those two bands? Uh, I know Manchester Orchestra is one of Craig's absolute favorites. And Group Love, um, does that have Questlove in it? It does not. Oh, no, don't know Group Love. So, yeah, Manchester (laughs) Orchestra is a band that people keep telling me about. And they've been around for a while. And I've just never taken the time to listen to their records. I even asked one of my friends who's really into them to tell me their best two albums. And I went and got them. Just never listened to them. So, Craig, for you, I'm going to dig deep into some Manchester Orchestra. Um, Group Love is a band that I really love a lot. But I feel like I should probably be guilty for like liking them they're a very kitschy band and the problem with that is i mean yeah i agree you know I, i'm all about some kitsch but <laughs> they they had a song on the fault in our stars soundtrack oh oh that kind of hurts me yeah and that song rules it's okay. very it's very simplistic and poppy and catchy and like a lot of people will probably think it's the lamest dumbest song but it is so brilliant it totally steals a, a nirvana line like a a, a nirvana melody uh, from all apologies mm-hmm. for this one part of it. it's it's a brilliant song <laughs> and like all their songs are really dancey and catchy too it's just a really great band so it's better than that one song i brought that i'm still singing in my yeah, head yeah we're just time, gonna so. forget all about <laughs> night nurse so i don't think you have to feel guilty about this so yeah we're gonna let craig close it out this is manchester orchestra and group love make it to me
Did I say YouTube?